Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode as we learn, grow, and flourish together as a community of women. Hi, this is Penny. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to share today from the second chapter of my book, Love, Leadership, and Influence. The name of that chapter is The Power of Faith. I feel like the understanding of faith has often caused quarrels, misunderstandings, even guilt in people's lives. So what does faith really look like and what does it actually accomplish? I realize I'm not a total expert on the subject, but I have learned some things throughout my life as a Christian. Some people, I believe, see faith as a litmus test for our ability to receive from God, and it is vital in every respect. But I like to say it like this. I see it as an unfolding gift that spreads itself underneath us and lifts us up to be able to not only face an obstacle or tragedy, but to see an answer or a solution, a breakthrough. Faith held onto can turn things around and bring a miracle our way. Faith is vital to all that we do and everything we hope for. The fundamental objective in my life is to please God. That's, that's my heart's cry. That's what I want to do. That's the most important thing to me. Hebrews 11.6 instructs us by telling us that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Why? Because the one who comes to God must believe not only that He exists, it also says, and that He proves to be the one who rewards those who seek him. Wow, that's pretty cool. I have found that the greatest thing I do to please and connect with God is to take him at his word and to believe not only that he exists, but that he proves himself to me as my rewarder. When I make a choice to completely assume that everything he says in the Bible is is true and unconditional and it applies to me, then I make God happy. I please him. If the Bible promises something, when I embrace that promise as being absolute and honorable and utterly true, that pleases God. Not only does it please him, but I love this verse in 2 Peter 1.4. It says, He has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you, you and I, may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So, I mean, how crazy is this? Not only do we receive these promises, which are precious and magnificent, but we actually become like him. We participate with his divine nature, it says, when we take him at his word and choose to believe his promises. And then it also says in the end that we escape having to lust, the corruption that comes from lusting for things. So rather than lust for things, which is the carnal way, the way we have done in the past, I can believe for things with my heart. So what does faith look like if it was seen under a sort of 
microscope in the human heart. If you looked at my heart to see faith at work, you would see me confronting a problem, a fear, or a lack with a shift in my thinking away from the fear and toward the particular promise that applies to my situation. For instance, this is something I've worked against and fought against when I feel like I don't fit in or I'm not enough. When I fight against that thought and I speak out loud, even if it's in a whisper, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround me with favor as with a shield. That's what Psalm 512 says. That is the process of faith at work. That's what it looks like inside my heart. I'm making a choice. I'm certainly hearing the thoughts in my mind and in my heart. I'm certainly feeling maybe the stress or the anxiety that goes with those thoughts. But I'm allowing a shift to take place where I shift from those thoughts and I move toward the precious and magnificent promise that applies. If I still feel the fear, I say it again, however many times it takes for my heart and my mind to shift into that place of actually choosing and believing his promise over my fear. So you would actually see a metamorphosis of a dark, unpleasant thought or feeling to one of hope and courage. And that ultimately actually turns out to equal enjoying the results of that change in my heart or my thoughts. I actually will end up seeing the fruit from that. I remember when I first started working uh, many years ago, it's, let's say almost 40 years ago, at a Christian TV station. I walked in the room my first day of work. There's all kind of people there lovely warm people but they were all very comfortable with one another and I just looked around and like fear kind of came in my heart and my mind just the thought based on the enemy's evaluation of me began to speak to me in my mind you you won't fit here they're already all friends you're like an outsider I mean just get used to the fact because they're all buds and you're kind of on your own So I just began to speak that verse. I just turned my back a little bit and very quietly said in a whisper, Lord, you surround me with favor as with a shield. And I'm sure I said it more than one time, but it was not a long period of time where I felt completely drawn in, acclimated, and became wonderful, close, best friends with the people there. Um, it was a wonderful season, a precious season, a, a treasured season. And I know that when I choose faith and to reject those thoughts that do knock on my door, and they still knock on my door, and I replace them, I shift into the place of believing God, that's when I see answers. Faith isn't a formula. It's not a legalistic requirement that God demands. Rather, it's remembering that we have a heavenly Father that has redeemed us from the fall of men and has given us what 2 Peter 1.3 says, 
everything that we need that pertains to our life and godliness. There's nothing that isn't covered in that. It says everything we need that pertains to this life that we're living and to being like God, godliness, to looking like him. He has given it to us. Does that mean that every prayer I've ever prayed has been answered? No, it does not. There are definitely things that I do not understand and may never understand on this earth. I know I see things from a limited perspective, so I'm not looking to condemn people or myself for not having enough faith. I do know this much. When one of my prayers is not answered, and I have some right now that are still out there believing God, but when they're not answered, I will not blame or charge God. I won't assume that he is purposely withholding good from me. That's not in keeping with the Bible. That's not the whole general context of the Bible throughout. You'll find a very different description than that. So obviously many people reject God. They avoid God because they blame him for everything that goes wrong in the world or in their lives or in the lives of someone they know or love. I just encountered that this summer when I was away for a while and just sitting down with someone and them just saying, "Mm, a relative died, God did that. How can you say that you can trust God he's good? One thing I always think to myself is perhaps they've yet to experience or recognize the depth of the unending tender loving kindness that God is always longing to demonstrate to us even when we're struggling with difficult things or situations. I know in my life, when I, when I struggle, and sometimes I resist those things, but when I ultimately look up and see his smile and realize his hand is reaching out to me, I find the courage to face whatever the hardship is. And around the next bend is often a great breakthrough or even a miraculous answer to prayer. There will always be things that are unexplainable to us that seem so unfair and cruel. It's obvious to me that we live in a world that's fallen and not the original perfect garden that was planned for us. And in this fallen world, things go horribly wrong and many times they completely fall apart. We battle enemies that we cannot see and whose determination and objectives we underestimate. In John 10.10, God attempts to both alert us of Satan's intention and also to clarify his own. This is something that needs to become part of our DNA, the understanding of what he is saying here. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Well, that's a pretty clear statement. I think we can hang our hat on that and know When we're experiencing things that are stealing from us and killing and destroying, we know where they come from. In my 50 years of being a Christian, I have found that God has been completely trustworthy. Willing to reward my confidence in Him, my faith at every turn. And there really is no other way to please Him than to have faith in His unchangeable character. So I'd like to encourage you to begin to replace the fears and the doubts and the concerns that assail you 
with a verse from his word that speaks to those very things. Let the metamorphosis, which actually means a change of the form or nature of a thing into a completely different one, let that take place in your mind and in your heart and just see what the results will be. I honestly could never recount all of the times the circumstances in my life have turned around when I chose his kindness toward me rather than believe that he is looking to punish me or to withhold from me. He's a rewarder. He rewards our connection to him and our belief in him as he describes himself, not as someone else has informed you or given you a wrong idea about who he is, but as he describes his own self in the word. That's who he is, and he rewards us when we choose to lay hold of that and not allow it to be stolen from us and to appropriate it into every area of our life. Thank you so much for listening today. Love you. Thanks for listening to the Flourish Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. For more information about Flourish, our annual conference, or to join our community of women, visit nrpflourish.com. See you next time.